This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays, who doesn't have his mic in front of him right now. Joining me as always, my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. That's why I have my mic hanging in my face, because I would forget mine probably half the time that we record. Remember to record locally as the countdown's going. That's always a fun one. That's always like, hey, let's get that get the click in right right in the right time. So that's perfect right now. But day one of free agency, this is the mid cap. It's not the recap because we're in the middle of it. So it's the mid cap. That's what we're doing right now. I got really distracted and intoxicated by the beats. I thought I had a lot longer than I did, but it's because I was too deep in the groove. That was the issue right there. <laughs> the All Sunday right. show, we always have like three minutes. Like you're good. That, that's like, why. Like, that's why. Yeah, some water. a little bit faster than I anticipated. <laughs> All right. We have a lot to dig into today. I, I love this week. I this love this week. I, I can't remember when we started doing these. I feel like I did them back in the day with Barnwell. And there were a couple things we responded to in real time. But then I distinctly remember being at my in-laws house in Miami. Uh, I think I was on with Danny Kelly and Kevin Clark and the Panthers signed Matt Khalil to that monster deal. Yeah. And the reaction is just, it's stuck in my mind for live free agency shows. So I'm always chasing that Matt Khalil moment when we're doing these in real time. I'm the first person who's ever said that. (laughs) We did one. Our first year together, our first off season, I should say together. I remember we did like one, and that was kind of like, uh, oh yeah, it's did, all supersized now, baby. We did one, and then now it's no every day, day one, day two, day three, day four, because that's how it is. It's just every day feels like something's popping. Every five minutes, I was just talking to Kent, producer Kent, and was just saying I went away for five minutes, seven minutes, and all of a sudden I come back and I'm like, there's three signings. I'm like, oh shit, I got to put this in the notes. Uh, do I have a take thought, on this? I don't know. Let's do it. I'll, we'll figure in- it out. You thought you were going to sign up for one podcast a week, two and a half years ago, and now your life is just totally fucked, totally which different. is great. All right. We're going to start with the Rogers non-update, okay? <laughs> As we sit here recording this, there's obviously been a report that's floating out there that it is done. That has not been confirmed by really anyone else Everybody watching NFL Network, it. nothing there. Our reporters at The Athletic are working to give you the latest on what is happening with the Aaron Rodgers story, but both our Jets writer and our Packers writer have nothing confirmed nothing is a done deal with Aaron Rodgers and the Jets if it happens when we're recording this obviously we will talk about it because that's Which, where we're at right now it'll, it'll have like you said like you tweeted it'll happen 30 seconds after we wrap up that's, oh, that's kind of absolutely how they, that's how they, no doubt absolutely, yeah that's a lock it's just like trades happening on a Friday night it's just it's it's <laughs> you can put put a uh, time to it put a clock to it you know exactly when it's going to happen I can tell you it's going to happen at what probably 140. West Coast time. I could tell you that's when exactly when the Rogers trade is going to happen. Well, we're just going to keep recording until like five o'clock. That's what perfect. Is our perfect. Really the only way stall to this. four quarters right. offense. <laughs> so let's start with the first quarterback domino that did actually fall. Jimmy Garoppolo heading to the Raiders, according to a bunch of people. Saw the Mike Garofolo tweet, but also the one from Adam Schefter and Diana Rossini. Three years, sixty-seven and a half million for Jimmy, with thirty-four million dollars guaranteed. Okay, so if you that putting into that into context with some of the other quarterback deals that we've seen, twenty two and a half million, obviously much lower than what Daniel Jones got, what Derek Carr got, and that thirty four million dollars guaranteed is in the range of one third of what both Derek Carr and Daniel Jones got with the Saints and the Giants, respectively. It makes sense to me based on the way the other quarterback dominoes were falling. I don't know how you feel about this, but now that we have Carolina at one. 
the Texans likely drafting a quarterback at two, was the Colts being at four, that third pick really being up for sale? Do they really want to go all the way up there? I think there's just a lot of things to consider when you think about the pathways to a rookie quarterback in this class, which we always thought was the best outcome for the Raiders after moving on from Derek Carr. If that wasn't going to be an obvious possibility, getting a stopgap like Jimmy G at half of the price of some of these other guys, I think does make sense. It makes a ton of sense. And especially Jimmy G going back with Josh McDaniels, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, Apparently the Raiders were sniffing around about moving up to one. So that it wasn't, they, they, they were in the talks. They were in the works about it. So it does. It makes sense that they were trying to find all the avenues they can. This what they re, the result of all this makes a ton of sense. Like you said, with all the other dominoes that fell, especially the Panthers moving up to one, the Cardinals now being in that kind of you know that really good spot of they can choose their adventure where they want to trade or they hold on to the Will Anderson, and that changes different dominoes. I think this was a way for the Raiders to at least have half a half a butt cheek on the seat. You know, it's just that that they're not going to be empty when they finish this whole process. When I saw Stidham, Jared Stidham, I know we're getting ahead of myself going to the Broncos. I was like, okay, so that means the Raiders are going to sign something or they're signaling that they want to draft somebody, but this is a way that they are not they're committed, but they're not com- fully committed to like this long-term thing. They can kind of get through this year without a competency at the quarterback position, especially for more of a vet laden offense and a team that has a ton of holes on it. So they didn't want to splurge. I know. So I, I, I'm talking about both sides of my mouth here, but it's really just, I think this is their way to straddling whether Avenue they want to take for the quarterback market. Derek Carr was going to have a $35 million cap hit this year. If they had kept Derek Carr, I assume Jimmy Garoppolo will be in the range of 15 to $17 million. Yeah. So it's for half. So it's a it's a lateral. Would you say it's thirty three million dollar cap hit, and Jimmy's yeah. getting guaranteed thirty four total. Yes. So that, that yes. right there, that's where so, that's where the money is. So if you're going to have a non elite veteran quarterback, yep. I think that they made the move down to the cheaper one that can mm-hmm. act as a bridge. It's only thirty four million dollars guaranteed. I assume if they want to, they can move on after this season. So yep. if the draft falls a certain way to them, they can still take a guy, let him sit, and then move on to him next year. Exactly. This isn't the sort of deal that precludes them from doing that. And that's why it's yep. a little bit different than the Daniel Jones contract or the Derek Carr contract. It's why the Geno Smith deal is different uh, than the Daniel Jones contract. That's what I was Because he only saying. has $40 million yes. guaranteed. So yeah. there are enough nuances between all of these things that make the considerations of taking on the contract a little bit different. So with the Raiders being in that tough spot of not really controlling their quarterback destiny, destiny in the draft really to start but certainly after carolina went up ahead of them i can understand wanting to be in this spot yeah i think the geno comparisons as far as contract and also timeline of team i guess is kind of that's that's the more similar thing here makes sense both early 30s quarterbacks vets kind of Gino, I was about to say a proven vet. Gino has one year of proof now, but you know Jimmy's had some really good years in San Francisco, so I think that's exactly what it is. That's more the path that they're taking, that they can have a competency of this year and figure out their plan for the long term or even the midterm. Yeah, I mean, it's... I don't love the idea of Jimmy Garoppolo with Devontae Adams. Like on a football level, it's not the it's most not exciting sexy, pairing in the yeah. world. But I do think if they want to have the seat filled, this makes sense because yep. it's not a bottom of the barrel one year stopgap veteran. It's one step up from that, but it's still not something where you're locking yourself in long term. Obviously, there's the familiarity with Josh McDaniels. Right. I mean, there's so many things that make the move make sense, even if I do think it's a temporary move for them as they figure out what the long term plan at quarterback looks like. Okay. Yep. Keep it warm. Speaking of our, let's get to some other big moves here. This one's awesome. I have no idea how it's going to work, but Javon Hargrave signing with the Niners 
is probably the most fun pairing I could have imagined heading into free agency between player and team. I mean, oh my God. Dude, I thought I was out out of hand when I was saying Draymond Jones to the 49ers. Uh, uh, no. Good for, go for you the- being on that timeline, though, and thinking they might even spend big on another defensive yeah. lineman. It makes it, sense because they had the money, but I just really didn't think they would actually do it. But um, hey, let's go for it. Like you said, on a football level, this is this is going to be magic. <laughs> Put them in that defensive front. They they invest in that D-line. I get it. They they try to build up that D-line every year, and this is really building it up. But this they is usually more do it with like one-year Chris Kasura yeah. guys. Where it's, I've, always, I've called it the Chris Kasura career rehabilitation plan, yeah. where that's you go cool. over one year, six million, and then you get to sign somewhere else for big yeah. money. Typically, that's the aisle they've shopped in, not another $20 million defensive lineman. No. So yeah. Looking at where they're at right now, I mean, they don't have a ton of cap space as things currently exist. They'll have to do some restructures. And even on their defensive line, right now at this moment, before they signed Javon Hargrave, the Niners had the highest average cap hit in the NFL per defensive lineman. They were like fifth total in cap spending, number one in average. It's only six guys under contract. I was going to say, they don't have that many. (laughs) But it's like $8.5 million each guy. So Armstead has a $22 million hit. Okay. Excuse me, tired Matt. It's 23.8 million. And okay. Bosa is at 17.9. Okay. That okay. is going to change. Yeah. Bosa is likely going to get extended. Mm-hmm. So if, if that extension happens, does that cap hit get pulled down? And what do they do with Armstead, whether it's a restructure or something else? You yeah. know, I think that everyone's kind of assuming that Man, he's they're adding I, I Hargrave to this group. Yeah. I wonder if they want that many expensive guys over 30 as part of this equation or if something else, if there's another shoe to drop with the Armstead thing. So and I think it, that's worth looking at at the very least. And it gives them, just like we're talking about, similar kind of conversation, but not exactly as far as like the Jimmy G thing. It's making sure that you have one in the hand rather than two in the bush. So it's like if they do want to do something with Armstead, it's not theory. And then they're like, oh, yeah, we can maybe trade him. We get this. And then they do move on from him or do do something with him and all of a sudden they are now just Nick Bosa and the Bosaettes uh, up front there. So I think that's what it was. It's just a, it's a little, it's almost a, again, they're kind of doing two things at once that gives them kind of some flexibility if they want to do something with Armstead while also already having a legit, really good player, a different type of player than they usually have had the last few years too, which I think is going to be really, really fun, but it makes sense for just real quick, just schematically. Uh, Hargrave was a gap shooting. He's perfect uh, uh, with this defensive line. It, it, you, it's like I said, it's magic. It's you can have better synergy from player to play style of a team and a defensive front, especially thirteen point six for Traverius Ward and okay. Warner's at thirteen. So if you want to restructure both of those guys, obviously okay. that is on the table. All right, some of the other big moves that we have already seen today. This one. This one's fascinating on five different levels. Jawan Taylor goes to the Chiefs, according to Adam Schefter, four years, $80 million for Taylor, $60 million guaranteed. When I first saw the number, I was like, oh, he's going to play left tackle. That $20 million a year number now brings you into a left tackle money. Mm-hmm. And he has never done that. But according to James Palmer of NFL Network, multiple reports, our own Jeff Howe at The Athletic also reported this. He is slated to play left tackle for the Chiefs when he gets there. What do you think about that? Uh, it's really hard. I that that's hard for me to just go. Oh yeah, flip him over to the left side. It's going to be easier. Um, 
Brandon Thorne had a great tweet about this, that if you are going to do it, this is the best situation possible. Have a great quarterback at avoiding sacks. You have Andy Heck, who's a great developer of talent. And And Tooney. And Tooney. And Joe Tooney right next to you. But also think there might be a little gamesmanship going on. Uh, the the whole Laramie Tunsil thing, I think it's very interesting that he's. You think they like, can afford both of them? But I don't know. I, I that seems hard. That that seems like it would be difficult to justify. I'd have oh. to look at the numbers, but I'm not sure they can do both of them. That, I don't, that means I they would either. have if he resets the left tackle market, mm-hmm. Tunsil, which he probably would want to on a new deal. They would have the highest paid left tackle in the league, mm-hmm. the highest paid right tackle in the league. I don't know what Ramcheck is at, but it's right there, and the highest paid left guard in the league. There's Love no it. way. There's Built no way. The line. There's the no line way. It does not feel like that is possible. Okay, so that is one I would say layer it's not of possible, this. but I don't know if it's like the most like astute spending. I would be surprised possible. if that happened. Yeah, maybe yeah. I'm just trying to manifest this, the the news I'm about to see where the Bears send the 54th pick to the Texans for Larry Tunsil, which is That's now right. what I want. Okay, right. so a few different layers to this. The first layer, what you just mentioned, them making it clear again for really the second, third straight off season. We believe. That if we protect our guy, that's the only thing that can derail us. We are going to put a wall in front of him, and we're going to throw whoever out there as pass catchers with Travis Kelsey, and we're going to compete for Super Bowls. They have shown that that is what they believe post-loss to the Bucs, and I think this is another instance of that. Yeah. It wasn't just the one offseason where they juiced it up with Tooney and Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, we're... That's our plan forever. That's our team building philosophy. It's Mahomes. It's worked offense. so far. Yeah, right. Good. Good. Already checked up. Check the box of the Super Bowl. Mahomes offensive line, and then what's the ever revolving cast of pass catchers? Right now, it helps having Travis Kelsey, but we'll see what happens when Kelsey keeps getting up there in age. But yeah, build through that offensive line. Build through that offensive line. Build through that offensive line. Just like Brandon just said. Uh, but uh, this also helps. In the, why they can spend money like this? Yes, they can always go to the bank of Mahomes as the years go on. They haven't really had to dip into it much yet. But they nailed so many draft picks in his last two classes. This is what matters. When you nail draft picks, it gives you so much flexibility to do stuff like this. Their the Humphrey defense. and Smith deals offset the expensive guys now at other Correct. positions, which it had done over the last couple of yep. years. But and, now you're essentially reprising that plan. And look at the whole defense. Like They have so many rookie contract guys, both of the linebackers, their whole DB room outside, outside of Reed. And that's why rookie, not just rookie QB contracts, but rookie contracts for every position is valuable. If you nail picks, it gives you, lets, lets you just do other things that have flexibility. Same, same discussion with the Seahawks. And now that they're able to have like kind of cool plans and travel, I mean, they, they fast forwarded their, their plan by nailing a draft. I mean, yes, everybody wants to nail a draft, but when you do it, this is what you can also do. It can, you can continue with these good things and these building blocks that you want to, uh, um, to add on to your team because you just have the flexibility to do it. So it makes sense. I, I, I love this game plan. I'm never going to. I'm always going to be a sucker for building through the offensive line, especially when you have the best quarterback of all time behind it. It's an interesting contrast, and we'll talk about his deal in a second, to what McGlinchey got or considering those two players. The fact yeah. that you even think you can move Jawan Taylor to the left side, I think is a statement on the trajectory you think he's on. Right. Juwan Taylor is 25 years old. Okay, Mike McGlinchey is two and a half years older than Juwan Taylor. Juwan Taylor just had his best season as a pass protector. He's got decent athletic traits, you know, decent draft pedigree. This is the Chiefs saying, we think that you're on an arrow that is worth betting on. We yes. think that you're 25 to 28 seasons. You're going to be even a better player than you were over the last few years or even last season. And that's why we're willing to spend this sort of money on you. We'll see how that works out, especially with a possible position change baked in there. 
But that seems to be the bet that they're making. Absolutely. The fact that he has just the same thing with signing Tooney, and we talk about this, having the availability of being able to play multiple positions is so huge, especially when you're spending a lot of money on these guys. That's why one spot only offense alignments, like they better be pretty damn good and also available all the time. But the fact that he can, even the, the idea, the discussion that he can play on the left side, because he does have those athletic traits. And like you said, the arrows pointing up, that's not a bad combo. That's not, that's not a bad bet to make. I, I think that is you're not paying for a 31 year old guy. You're paying for a guy in his mid twenties who's coming off his best year and you're putting him, putting him in good circumstances that maybe he can grow and it earns that contract. That's what it is. Now you're trying to just get it to that number, maybe not 20 million, but make him worth about 16 million, you know? So it's not as big of an overpay as that maybe we see right now. It's also, I, I think a statement on what they want long-term out of that position. I was surprised just on a purely financial level, that they weren't going to tag Orlando Brown again, just because mm-hmm. in my mind, it's like, oh, $20 million for a left tackle. You know what he is. You can kind of run back this group. But I can't remember who reported. I think it might have been Albert Breer said they wanted actual stability long-term at that spot. They potentially get it here. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> no, but that, that's that's what you're going for. You're As opposed to the revolving door. Like in... Shoot, I think that just that Super Bowl loss of the Bucks is just burned into their brain. It like, should just be. so much. It's just like they're like never again. That I think that's exactly what they're saying. But like you're committing these years, and I, I want to get back to that point that this guy is potentially potentially ascending, had his best year and young and has athletic traits. There's more to tap into. That's 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 a good thing. <laughs> it's like even if he's an above average guy, it's a it's a good swing of the bat, you know, that you're this is what we think this guy can be. Because a guy like bringing back Andrew Wiley. Who, who went to the commanders. Okay. Yeah. Like that's a, a cheaper deal. You know, he got a decent size contract. I think it was like three for 27 or something. Three like for that. 24. Yep. Three for 24. Okay. Ballpark that. Okay. Yeah. But Andrew Wiley is Andrew Wiley. Like we, we know what he is like that. And th- I think that's what they said. They're like, we, we want someone that we can maybe grow with and also have for four years as opposed to one year. Okay. We have to answer this question every freaking year. That's exactly what they're doing. They're paying for stability at the position with some upside. I still don't think the Andrew Wiley contract is all that bad. I mean, three years, $24 million if you're trying to find a guy who can just start for you. Yep. My question is for Washington, what does this mean for the rest of the line? So right. does, do they slide Cosme inside, Sam Cosme, who they drafted in the second round a couple of years ago, which I, I think could make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a better run blocker than anything else. Do they think that he can play more inside? And they also signed Nick Gates, who was on the Giants yeah. last year, to a three-year, $16.5 million deal with $8 million guaranteed. So now, if you have Cosme inside, Nick Gates plays left guard for you, you keep Charles Leno, you have a starting offensive okay. line. Yeah, viable starters, and that's what you're paying for, and much better than what... I know they got wrecked by injuries last year, last couple of years, really. But man, what they were trotting out at times there—it <laughs> was it, it could have been, it was rough at times. Whoever was playing quarterback for them, so yeah, that's what you're paying for, just stability. And I totally understand that. Building through the lines, they that that's kind of seems like their philosophy. We're trying to figure out what Washington's doing. That's what it seems like at least one thing that they're doing as far as team building. Nick Gates is 27 years old. They went the yeah. opposite way at guard last year. He's got Andrew Norwell, Trey Turner. So I think that they want somebody that might be, again, on the right side of the upswing to build around in those spots. They would be getting younger on the offensive line and a bunch of – on the interior specifically. Okay, sticking with offensive line signings, the Broncos throwing around a lot of money on offensive linemen God. today. Starting with a four-year deal for Ben Powers, formerly mm-hmm. of the Ravens. Four years, $52 million, $28.5 million guaranteed. Not all that far off from the deal that Brandon Scherf got last year. 
Mm-hmm. If you look at the actual specifics of it, it looks like he's going to have about a $5 million cap hit this year and about a $15 million cap hit next year. So it averages out to two years, 20 over the first two against the cap. I went back. I didn't really watch much Brent Powers last year. It's just somebody I didn't know a ton about. So when, as soon as the signing happened, I went mm-hmm. and rewatched their game against the Broncos. Yeah. Because like, all right, let, let's let's see how he played. Yeah, I would say, and yeah. he played extremely well. <laughs> he is a very sound pass protector. Yeah. And I he can plays understand. like his name. That's <laughs> I he really good reps against uh, Draymond Jones in that game. Yeah. And you watch him in pass protection, really good awareness. You know, that Broncos team brought a lot of heat last season. Mm-hmm. You see him sorting stuff out in real time, pretty good technician. And that is the type of guy that we've seen Sean Payton go after with his tiny little quarterbacks over the last 10 years or so just having a solid guy at those guard spots to just make sure that you're creating a clean pocket in those situations that is was their mo in new orleans for years and it seems like they're trying to reprise that a little bit with this power signing no that's such a great call the uh, i wrote down just right now as you're talking i wrote sean payton o-line if you ever look at what how much resources the the saints spent an offensive line still do but especially when Sean Payton was there. And especially a guard compared to other yes. teams, right? I mean, it goes all the yeah. way back to Carl Nix and yeah. Jari Evans. I mean, all those guys. And even now, like, our, our Andrews P is making a ton of money for them, which we could debate the prudency of that. But they've always committed and spent on those spots when he's been – had any say in personnel. Yeah, no, that's exactly – and that that's – that's champagne. Champagne's got a lot of old school to him as far as how he thinks how teams should be built. So that they're all <laughs> Broncos fans get ready. I'm sure every year you guys are going to take somebody in the first three rounds offensive line year after year after year, which I, again, my dad was a little line coach. I'm all about it. I'm like, hell yeah, let's do it. But I, I loved your call right there talking about how he is a stout lineman and keeping the middle of the pocket clean. I think that has kind of been an under. I mean, we're seeing this defensive line, defensive tackle market boom. There's a lot of great players on the interior. Keeping the middle clean lets quarterbacks step up, lets quarterbacks step up and out, gives them ways. It's easier to shuffle side to side than it is to kind of go up and down. Like you have, if you have a guy coming at you front angle, all right, which way do I go? Do I go around to a D end or do I cut up to the left? But if I have a clean pocket in the middle at least, and maybe the tackle gets beat, okay. We can mitigate that. I can get outside and, and bounce out, see how Mahomes has done with his tackles the last couple of years. So I totally agree. I, I like this signing maybe more than the McGlinchey signing. Uh, I absolutely do. Yeah. Power, so power, this one, this one was 26. good. Okay. Powers is, is 26, $28.5 million guaranteed. So you're looking at two years that you're committed to this deal. And again, you're solidifying the interior offensive yep. line. Mike McGlinchey, five years, $87.5 million with $50 million guaranteed, according to Ian Rappaport, which that's at least the first two years guaranteed, probably some into year three, for a guy who's 28, has dealt with some injury issues over the last couple of years. He didn't miss any time last season, but even in camp, up. he was banged up. Yeah. I think, and Brandon has pointed this out, Thorne, and I, I totally agree, even seeing him in person a little bit and watching them, feels like he's a little lighter than he used to be. I'm not sure the power is is quite the same as it was early in his career. I think this is a risky bet. When I saw the numbers, I was a little bit relieved that the Bears decided they did not want to pay that. I was actually kind of happy for you that the Bears didn't sign him. I've been nice about throughout this process about McGlinchey. I'm not 
a huge fan of his play. I think he is, like you said, he's a little light in the, light in the butt, light in the lower half. Kind of doesn't really move guys how he used to, and has gotten some of that athleticism sapped that you know because of those injuries and kind of getting banged up, and he kind of just doesn't move. He moves eighty percent of what he used to. Um, I've never really been really high on him overall. I think he maxes out as kind of like an above average starter, and that's a lot of money for a guy that maxes out as an above average starter, especially one that I don't think there's much upside to tap into. He was playing in the scheme that I thought was very conducive to his skill set, so it's not like where I'm like, well. Just get him to a better spot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We That's, haven't seen that. So here's the difference with me and Jawan Taylor and Mike McGlinchey. One, let's throw the left tackle thing out. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, out the window. Just, let's say Jawan Taylor playing right, right tackle. tackle yep, okay, yep. for Jawan Taylor, you could absolutely talk yourself into the yep. idea that his best football is in front of him for a lot of different reasons. It's harder to do that with Mike McGlinchey, and you're still playing a real premium. Yeah. For that guy with this sort of contract. So I, I saw that and I was like, oh, man. Yeah, that one's like, dicey to me. Those are the sorts of deals that, again, when you sign them in free agency, it's like, ah, I buyer beware. You know, like yeah. and that we see that every year. You yep. know, it gets tempted to – it's so tempting to look at these and say, we're going to get better. You know, yep. we're going to get so much better at that spot. And the Broncos, the only position where the Broncos have had more of a revolving door than quarterback over the last like five or six years might be right tackle. Yeah. I mean, consistently happening over and over again. So, and I know that George Payton hasn't been there that long, but locking down that spot and just saying, we got two starters, we feel good about it. I get talking yourself into mm-hmm. that, but you paid a real premium for that sort of security here. I think, I think there's. I know it just sounds like, well, who else would you sign? But I was like, I think there's better ways to be creative about it. I get, I get, they don't have a lot of drafts resources or anything. Andrew think, Wiley made half. Right, Andrew Wiley. That's that's perfect. Wiley and McGlinchey, I consider in the same tier. Whether that's fair or not, I do. Uh, that's personal, my opinion on Even it. If it's not the same tier, it's half, half, and then all those resources can be spent elsewhere. It's not like a complete roster and all that. I mean, they spent. X amount of money on a backup quarterback as well and Jared Stidham. So that's interesting as well. But that, yeah, the McGlinchey, that was one of the signings that was a lot of alarm bells going off for me, especially how I consider the player, his history, and now the fit. It's kind of, that's a, that's a significant overpay to me. The concern about Caleb McGarry and what he's going to be if he were dropped into another situation, I think is rooted in the offense that they played in Atlanta mm-hmm. and just how often you see him truly drop back. It's not very often. No, it was like eight times a game. (laughs) The same thing is true with the Niners. Yeah. (laughs) Like a lot of the same ideas apply to Mike McGlinchey, and he's Mm -hmm. getting a massive, massive deal where I don't know if Caleb McGarry's contract or Caleb McGarry's market is going to be that hot. This is one of those moments, in my opinion, where it pays to play for a really good team and it pays to be a former top 10 pick. You are the eighth overall pick in your draft, and whether we like it or not, that shit follows you around. It, right, and it, it seems like that is informing a little bit what is happening right now. Yeah, and or it's one of those where he was coming out in the draft, and Sean Payton's like, man, I liked him. Yep. I really I, yep. liked him. I liked him coming out of Notre Dame. That shit carries over for years and years, so that's a great call, too. Sorry, I'm trying to no, you're good. up with a lot of the things that are happening here. The Bears signed Nate Davis. Which we don't know the terms on that yet, so I don't really want to throw out how I feel about it. <laughs> but they needed. Did oh my you god! Just see, see yeah. the other signing. Yeah, I just yeah. saw that. <laughs> I was wondering who pulled. Ian Rappaport also reporting that the Bears are signing Tremaine Edmonds, which is I, we'll get into that, I guess. Oh, All right, man. I'll, I'll wait to see the numbers. I'll, I'll wait to see the numbers. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Elsewhere on the interior offense. Oh, actually, let's talk about Stedham very quickly here. Okay. So I was interested in what the... Broncos would do at their backup quarterback spot because if you look at Russ's contract, there is an injury guarantee somewhere in there where I thought, okay, if things go poorly this year, is there a guy they'd be willing to turn to to just say, you know what? We're pulling the ripcord. Mm-hmm. Like you're going on the bench for the rest of the year. We'll eat the dead money next off season and we'll move on from there. So I was wondering, do they sign a high end backup that could potentially be a starter in order to plan for that potentiality? Jared Stedham at two years and $10 million doesn't really do that for me. But this is one quote-unquote backup quarterback spot that I was fairly interested in for that potential timeline, let's say. It was like last year with the Dolphins signing Teddy Bridgewater a little bit where you're like, oh, okay, that was a, that was your backup. That was your break glass in case of emergency. And then Teddy ended up getting hurt just as much as Tua. So that kind of – and they actually ended up signing Mike White, which is interesting as well. But no, I – Stedham – Stidham has a lot of fans in, in the league. A lot of coaches and personnel people love Jarrett Stidham. Uh, it's we talk about pedigree carrying over for the rest of your life. This is a former, you know, five star recruit, big name recruit. Like maybe that's what people remember. He did play fairly well at the second half of last year, but still, like it's Jarrett Stidham. Uh, but I think that's what I, I this makes sense. Like you, all the reasons that you laid out, high end backup can come in a spot. You know, Russ getting older. Russ is another another year older. Um, and play and his play style and everything. And if he's getting beat up or whatever, however, um, Sean Payton feels about Russ. So this gives him a kind of like another option. And like you said, the break glass in case of emergency type of player, uh, to maybe like shore up that position for them. All right. Speaking of Mike White, that was another spot where we talked about the Jalen Ramsey trade yesterday and the Dolphins kind of protecting themselves. Yep. Uh, if on the off chance that Tua gets hurt again and they have to salvage their season, yeah. it feels like Mike White is the guy that they're betting on. Two years up to $16 million is yeah. what was reported, I believe, by Saw Adam that. Schefter. Key phrasing there, up the to. up to $16 million. <laughs> Yeah, up to insurance. Yeah, right there. Uh, I think they were say they – they made that nice run last year, and then that's what I think they saw enough enough of Skylar Thompson to go never again. Same exact thing. They're just no more of that. We're gonna have we're gonna get somebody that we think is competent. Mike White has had some fun games. Um, it's the same ex- exact offensive system that he's been in with the Jets, with you know with Michael Four being with being the offense coordinator there uh, the last couple of years, and then now he's going to uh, Mike McDaniel. Same exact offense. So. Probably an easy transition for him. Got a guy that has already shown that he can step in in a pinch and play for you and at least play competently, especially a team that seems like they're trying to fire on all cylinders this year. So it makes sense that they don't want anything to go askew like it did last year. All right. Let's talk about this. Okay. Numbers reported by Adam Schefter for the Bears and Tremaine Edmonds. Okay. Four years, $72 million, which in my off my, my quick math here is $18 million 18, a yeah. year. Okay. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. $50 million guaranteed. It is the largest four-year contract for an inside linebacker in the NFL. I don't know. that. That's an interesting uh, framing by the agent 
It's the, it's the biggest <laughs> four-year deal for any linebacker <laughs> in the NFL. Okay, so Roquan's practical guarantees are $60 million. Okay. We have Edmonds coming in at $50 million, essentially the first three years guaranteed, right? Yeah. It's a okay. big, big contract. So what you have said here is that you were willing you were willing to spend on an off-ball linebacker, but you wanted the two and Tremaine, and Tremaine Edmonds over Roquan Smith. There's... I guess that's what they wanted. I I don't I don't support this signing. <laughs> this is a lot of money for a guy that has lived off some draft reputation, like we talk about, and always he his had own. his best season by he far did. this year. He but did. that we talked about this: the off-ball linebacker huge contracts, they just, just don't is. tend to work out. No, it very rarely do you feel good about those things one two years later. And they had so much money to spend. Obviously, they have to spend some of it. Yeah, but I just this is not uh, not my money favorite way to spend it. And like, this yeah. comes after the the TJ Edwards signing. When they did that, I was like, "They're fine, excellent. done, done, great, done. move on." Six million dollars yep. a year. Yep. You have a, a very plug fair. and play starter. Yep, somebody that you know clearly his market. I think thought people thought it was going to be more robust than that. Yep. It's like okay, great. Now like you. Have him, maybe you sign somebody else, you draft somebody else, yep. throw Sanborn in there in the mix. Fine. Now you go out and you spend $18 million a year with $50 million guaranteed in an off-ball linebacker. I know he's young. I know that he got a lot better last year, but I think yeah. there's a lot of risk involved in this. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the the Edwards thing, I was I was fine with. It was like, he's a starting, he's above average, can even have some nice plays, stretches of play last year. He's right in market, what Jermaine Pratt and Quincy Williams got yesterday, like, Right in line with that, six seven million dollars a year. Uh, okay, I was fine. Done. This is a lot of money for what I don't think is a significant uptick from that tier of linebacker I just listed off there with Edwards and Quincy Williams and Jermaine Pratt. I, I just it's not enough to be a needle mover to me. I, I yeah, I don't know. This is I struggle with this one because I feel like that's such a huge overpay for every everything we've listed off. We did a whole show on it, talking about yeah, this usually doesn't work out. And this is a guy I I knew a team would fall in love with him and, and bet on him. And but I just didn't think it would be the Bears after the Edwards signing. I would love for them to articulate why him, but not Roquan. Yeah, like when they when they were yeah. moving on from Roquan, my the way that I was kind of explaining it to myself, and even when we talked about it on here, just like okay, they don't want to commit that sort of money to yeah. an off-ball linebacker, which I think is totally reasonable. Totally fine. So okay, if if, the, if those are your team building values, yep, then that's fine. This runs counter to that. Mm-hmm. So it, it's just hard to square the two moves, in my opinion, together. And I would love for them to explain why those two moves are different. You know, Roquan yeah. is five, is six foot. You know, do they believe in? Because we've seen a lot of the guys who have lasting power in the NFL at that position. Fred Warner is six three. We've talked about this. Me, mm-hmm. you, and Deontay have all talked about this. Do they feel like the range that Edmonds is going to have as somebody who's much much bigger than that? Is that the key difference? I don't know, man. That that that's a lot to bet on four inches of height. Yeah, I love that. That's always the stat, too, that we're even shown right here from Kevin Fishbane was Edmonds is only 24. That's always like the second thing people say with Edmonds. He's only this age because he got drafted at such a young age. It's just, yeah, like you're betting on the height or betting on the size and size does matter. It really does, especially for health. And you're betting on and I guess you're betting on the uptick like just becoming a caricature myself right now. I'm just like because he is only 24. So you are betting that, but it's. Even if he lives up to, like, it's going to be impossible for him to live up to the contract. He'd have to be legitimately a top, what? He'd have to be an all pro, an all pro linebacker to live up to that money. And yes. 
I don't know. I, I think for a team, yes, they have to spend the money. I think building a team, you start with the trenches. I know that's easier said than done, and you're always going to have to overpay there. But just like paying for off-ball linebackers, that's usually not the proper first step into the rebuilding path. The Nate Davis contract, I believe, is for three years and $30 million, uh, essentially what Lake and Tomlinson got last year. Yeah. Okay. It's in that similar range for that sort of starter. It's a lot less than what Ben Powers got mm-hmm. from the Ravens. And if you just I want like a that. plug and play starter, I think that makes total sense. Mike Garofalo, like three years, $30 million, $20 million guaranteed. I like so, that. It's getting a starting guard. Yep. That's the, yeah, that's the paying for competency at guard. That's what you're paying for there. No, I, I like that. I like Nate Davis. Uh, so I actually do like that signing. And I think that's a very, that's right in range. Yeah. That eight to $11 million range. So that makes total sense. And that's what they needed. They need, we talked about this, uh, uh, where we talked about maybe who to prioritize for the, for the bears in the draft. And that's what I've thought is that they have to shore up the middle before they shore up the outside, just for reasons we talked about with the Broncos signing powers, shoring up the middle, just keeps the pocket a little cleaner, just the shortest path to the quarterback, just gives that a little bit more breathing room. So I'm all about more of this signing than the, <laughs> than the linebacker signings. This one makes sense to me. And I understand why they did it. I wonder what happens at guard at the other guard spot. And then mm-hmm. at center, uh, Nate Davis is center. a right guard yeah. in his, in his time with the Titans. Do they want to plug him in there? What does that mean for Tevin Jenkins? And mm-hmm. then what do they do at center? So I think there's still moves to be made here for Chicago, yeah. whether that be in the draft or somewhere else, the offensive line still needs a decent amount of rebuilding, even with a guy like Nate Davis, but you know, a decent step in the right direction for what is a reasonable price. I think in both of our opinions, Yep. same kind of deal feels like I think a, a step down in terms of player, but a similar thought, I think, probably for Buffalo signing Connor McGovern, three years, $23 million per Mike Garofolo. Uh, the Bills' offensive line was not very good last no. year. you know. And we talked about this in regard to Roger Saffold and his stylistic fit with that team where right. you think, all right, we're going to bring in some, some ass-kicker mentality here because we want to introduce that into who we are. But you still throw the ball a ton. And you still have a quarterback who invites pressure every once in a while. So that match did not work out quite as well. I think that they're trying to go a little bit younger and a little bit more long-term with something like this. And also when you like to lean into a spread run game where usually prioritizes athletes at the position because they're out in space and not really just moving guys on double teams. Yeah, they did. I've said this a lot about the Bills offense and and what what Ken Dorsey was trying to do. They're trying to find other avenues to move the ball outside of just Josh Allen being Josh Allen, you know, trying to be under center, trying to use more tight ends or, or whatever you want to call Reggie Gilliam, but Jumbo and all that. So they're trying to find a run game that made sense for them. McGovern is a, another guy that's a fine guard. I think he really improved last year, actually, compared to two years ago. I think he, uh, in my eyes, he really did improve last year. Like I was, I thought he was going to be always the weak link, but when he was on the field, he never stood out as a true weak link. I actually, like I said, I thought he was a plus player for them. So you're, he's 25. Again, this is a guy, yes, it's slight overpay, but you you bet on this. You're hoping that you could just keep tapping into it. He's been in a system that runs every type of offense or run scheme in the Cowboys the last couple of years. So whatever they want to do in the run game. And I think he's fine as a pass protector as well. And he's smart. So I actually, I was fine with the signing. This made sense. They need a ton of help on the offensive line. He He's probably going to, if Mitch Morse isn't there, he's like their second best lineman. <laughs> if that just kind of tells you where they're at with their offensive line, he was probably the fifth best lineman for the Cowboys last year. So kind of speaks to where they're at uh, as far as building up front. Hanging out in this very sexy interior offensive line market that we're sitting in Best. right now. The Browns re-sign Ethan, po- Ethan Pochich, three years, $18 million. Like this for both parties. Yeah. I thought that he showed a lot with them. Great I mean, year. he's just, he's such a unique player. 
So uh, the, all that length at center, you just don't see it very often. And I think they really figured out how to weaponize that last season in the run game. He wasn't supposed to be their starting center. Mm-mm. You know, they Nick Harris was supposed to be their starting center, I believe, coming into the season. That's a pull. That was uh, a pull. A, I was after, about to <laughs> pat you on the back. I was letting you finish. That was I was about to pat you on the back for that one. I could have told you that. <laughs> after JC Shredder moves on. So yeah. and, and I think he comes in after Harris got hurt in the preseason. I thought played very well for them. So I think keeping that group together, maintaining that stability and kind of rolling with it. I mean, they have their five guys back now. I mean, their their offensive line is going to be fully intact. And I can understand wanting to maintain that if you're Cleveland because of the way that group played last year. If you see how much the Browns run pin pull, uh, first off, completely agree. Uh, he had his best season. He got the Bill Callahan boost. and But on top of that, he deserved to get this contract. I actually, this was a guy I wanted the Bears to kind of sniff around about like because uh, I thought he would just be a great uh, addition and shore up the middle of the line. He has size, like you just mentioned. If you see the Browns, one of their best run schemes last year was pin pull stuff. And pin pull, you need some size at center. As long as athletes help too, because sometimes they have to pull as a center, but they also have to down block. And they have to down block on nose tackles. So having a big dude, if you want to see that Browns offensive run scheme open up, it was because of him and because of Poach's ability and be able to hold up against bigger interior defensive guys. He's not really that kind of He's not the Jason Kelsey type, and I, I love the move around centers that can run, but they have limitations. Kelsey kind of mitigates a lot of that, but I love these jumbo centers. You don't really see a ton of them, like you said. You yeah. don't see this, and so it's kind of cool. Watching him play it. is wild. It's I fun. Mean, just just it's seeing a, a guy fun. with that sort of length playing Especially position. with the guards on either side, and they just, I mean, it's a big interior offensive line. It's Yeah, I'm, I'm all for this. I think that's a great signing. I think that's, what you say, three for 18? I think that's more than fair for what he is. It's funny that in talking about the Bears' interior offensive line, I just didn't mention Cody Whitehair because, in my opinion, I've just kind of just written on. that off. I mean, Does he's he making like a the lot biggest cap money. hit on the whole team. Yeah, I would not be surprised if they moved on and kind yeah. of reset that entire group. But we'll see. But he is still under contract and presumably could play left guard if they keep him on the roster. I wonder what that says about Tevin Jenkins. At this stage, just get him in the building. Yeah. That's it. At this stage, you just Need build bodies. five that makes sense, Need warm and you kind bodies. of figure that shit out later. They're not yes. in a position to be like, oh, I don't know if this guy's a perfect role is in this for this dollar no, figure. No. Uh, you, you need bodies uh, among this group right now based on the way that they played last year. Yeah. All right. A slew of moves here for yeah. the Atlanta Falcons. Started okay. this morning by trading a seventh-round pick for old Arthur Smith favorite, Jonu Smith. Yeah. He's coming on a reworked deal. What a fucking disaster the Jonu Smith era in New England was. Just $25 million in cash over the last two years for him to catch, like, I think less than 50 balls. balls. Yeah. I think Danny Heifetz had a good tweet on it. 55 receptions over the last two seasons for about about 540 yards for Jonu Smith. For a receiving tight end. Mismatch okay. nightmare receiving tight end. <laughs> uh, this this is the best possible outcome for yep. him, in my opinion. Is yep. going back with Arthur Smith, who knows how to use him, mm-hmm. and also the flexibility it creates for you now, potentially, with Kyle Pitts. Yes. I mean, you I have two pieces where you can move them around and do a ton of stuff with them. Yep. He's still only 27. Uh, giving him a, a little bit of credit here. I don't think a lot of people excelled in the 2022 version of the New England Patriots offense. In terms of structural competency, going from last year's Patriots to this Falcons team with this Falcons staff, kind of night and day, about as different as it can get for you. Uh, From a team that like 
yeah, especially how the Patriots run game is, where it's like at you and physical, and it's like, no, it's good. You want John to like split zone blocking, kicking out DNs. Uh, I and cannot wait it. for all the slide routes he's going to slide catch routes. For, so for many slide yards, routes, Zach. So this is and some. I had a couple of people kind of text me about this, and they said, "Oh, you actually like this?" I go, "Yeah." They're like, "Well, him and Kyle Pitts have like same same sameness to it." It's like, "Well, Pitts is a Z that yeah. can move inside. Yeah. Only about twenty yes. percent of his snaps are as a tight end." But that, I'm not saying because Pitts is Pitts is just a weapon. He's just a he's the Denard Robinson offensive weapon. They're, just, they're just they're trying to play positionless football they, on offense. Yeah, that's all. That's this exactly is. it. Drake, they have Drake London down blocking. They have Kyle Pitts working from the slot. Having they have a six five, two hundred and twenty pound slot receiver. They yep. have a they have a six five, two hundred fifty pound X receiver. Yep. And now they have whatever Jonu Smith is. This is a good thing. Yes, it's not a bad a, thing. This I think is this a good is perfect. Thing. I think this is perfect. And he has speed. He actually can t- he creates explosiveness in the offense like that. I loved it because we we talked about it. we made jokes about the, all the personnel groupings that the Falcons like to throw out there. Now they can trot out three tight ends and two of them are like four four guys. <laughs> they they can like legit do some like okay pick your poison how do you want how do you want to guard us you want to get in base all right we're gonna run right by you like that it's cool I I, I like this I, I think this could be really fun for one of the most creative offensive play callers and play designers so he just gets one of his guys who can actually change the math for you a little bit I love this this is when you want to go after guys he's yeah. still only twenty seven years old he's yeah, not that rather. different of a player than he was two years ago when he was nope. putting up all those numbers in Tennessee he just got You're, misused you are buying him at the biggest dip you can possibly buy him here yep. for a seventh round pick. Even right. if it doesn't work out, let's say he has a six million dollar cap hit this year. See ya. Yeah, I mean, it's. Fine. I think it is a very low risk move that allows the Titans to kind of be the truest. Excuse me, Titans. It's Freudian slip. Allows the Falcons. <laughs> Titans Easter. Yes. Titans more. Titans east. a little bit further east. Short drive. <laughs> allows them to be the truest version of themselves in Atlanta. Speaking of extending Chris Lindstrom, seems inevitable. <laughs> Yeah, Five, it, it, it's the type of it's the contract you would expect. Yep, Chris Lindstrom to get five yep. for one hundred five, so twenty one million dollars a year is one million dollar more a year than Quentin Nelson. Sixty three million dollars guaranteed. Nelson had sixty million dollars guaranteed. That sixty three million dollars guaranteed number Just is according to our Jeff Howe at the Athletic. This is it. I mean, yep. he's an he's an All Pro player. He, he's hitting his prime. He's yep. central to what they want to do. I mean, you're going to pay for this guy, and I don't have any problem with it whatsoever. He is a really really good football player. You're paying an elite player. Uh, yeah. He's one of the best at his position. And like you said, it's he's key to what they do because of his athletic ability and how he can move. So all about this. I, I love Chris Lindstrom. I think he was on both of our all-pro teams. I think on a lot of people's all-pro teams. And I, I'm a big fan of his game. He's only getting better. He's only going to be 26 this year. This is These are the type of guys you pay. These are the type of money, type of guys that you throw money at. And so I'm all about this as well. Yep. I have no issue with it whatsoever. Yep. A couple other... Saints, excuse me, Saints, two Saints guys, a couple yes. other Falcons moves here. They signed David on Yamada, Mike Garofalo yeah. from NFL Network, three years, 35 million, according to Mike, 25 million guaranteed over the next two years. Kind of market rate. Yep. For, for a player like David on Yamada. I mean, I think that this is a team that needed more juice up front, however, you were going to find it. Not a surprise that they would go for somebody who their new coordinator, Ryan Nielsen, has a lot of familiarity with, yes. considering he just came over from New Orleans. So I think the marriage there makes sense on a couple different levels. Yep. And and I love the pairing with Grady Jarrett. I, yep. I think that's a great little Bash Brothers kind of in the middle. They synergy, they really do as far as stylistic fit. I really like that. He's more of a kind of a mauler ass kicker in Grady Jarrett's the classic gap shooter. Um, no, loved it. This is exact type of contract that I thought maybe a contender would give him the yep. kind of three years, but paying about 20, 25 million guaranteed. Like that's exact, but 
I like it for the Falcons. I think this is a great, great signing. I think he's also one of the Saints guys, a positive locker room guy. I think I know he's had some stuff, but like I think hardworking type of guy. And he's a, he's an ass kicker. I think it's also a mindset type of thing. So I, I think like they needed ass kicking up front. Yes. I think that they needed That's, that sort of injection. This into is a their mindset. Line. We're talking about Roger Saffold with the Titans or with the Bills offensive line. This is a defensive line version of that. A Michael Brockers type. They've got getting a lot of undersized pass rushers. Yep. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting group when you contrast it in terms of body type to what the Saints have been like over the last couple of years. <laughs> you got 280 pound defensive yeah. ends. I yeah. mean, so that squaring those two things, I think is. I'm curious, like, it. like what yeah. it's actually going to look like in practice. But I think this brings them closer to the way that Nielsen has wanted to play defense when yep. he was in New Orleans. And okay, it's a very tolerable contract, so I, I like this. I like that one a lot too. One other one, former Saints defensive lineman signing with an AFC South rival, Shy Tuttle. Yeah, three years, nineteen and a half million dollars, with thirteen million dollars guaranteed. Signing with Carolina feels like this is kind of the Ioannidis replacement, based mm-hmm. on like the structure of their roster. We had thrown Jeremiah Jones out there as somebody who might be like an expensive version of what they could do here. But they think needed one more interior defensive line body after losing Ioannidis and with the way that Joe Evero is going to want to play. And this is the answer. Yeah. uh, He's just a stout player. I mean, he's just a useful guy. Useful guy. And you already have kind of the star power there with uh, Brian Burns on the edge and Derek Brown and on the inside, who was, I mean, had a great year last year. and was about to be a star kind of caliber player. This is more that steady Eddie type, play some snaps for you, eat some snaps when you have a lot of other playmakers around you. So totally understand why they did this. Kind of more of a get on base for the other guys to knock you home <laughs> type of player. That That's who you're signing. All right. Get to some cornerback signings here. Few of yes. them have rolled in. One of the first ones of the day, obviously, because he resigned with the team he was already on. Jonathan Jones, two-year deal, $20 million, $13 million guaranteed, quarantine report. Solid number. Makes yeah. sense. Yep, good player. Great year yep. last year. Yep, I, I think it makes sense for both parties. I mean, he probably wasn't going to get a ton more on that in the open market. Doesn't have to move. Gets to nope. play in a defense that he knows. Like it a lot. Okay. We have all these worries about Patriots corners going somewhere else. It's like, yeah, just stay there. <laughs> you get paid. Everyone's happy. Nope, all fine. All fine for it. I think that's a nice, nice signing for everybody. Kind of, I feel similar about this one. Cam Sutton going from the Steelers to the Lions, three years, thirty-three million, fair. twenty-one million dollars guaranteed. I was wondering what the Lions' splash move was going to be in their secondary, or just how they were going to use those excess resources that they have to figure out. All right, this is who we want to be on defense this year. This is how we're going to spend because they haven't yet. You know, they really have not gone out and spent on exterior players in on defense or in the secondary period. It seems like that is coming as they inch toward being a contender not only NFC North but a playoff team in the NFC this is the sort of signing that I think speaks to that makes sense on a lot of different levels I think the value is fine I think it's great uh, this is actually under what I thought you might get maybe just a couple million dollars under but I think this is totally fair we talked about it it's not like this is has to be their only move at the position they can still draft a guy and that's how you inject talent sign a guy and draft a guy and I think this is totally fair for his level I think he's kind of a good corner he had a great year last year I, I like this. And he's still kind of his mid, not kind of, but he's still in his mid twenties. All about this. I think this is a fine signing. I, I like it. Uh, the lions and, and Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell, they, they are meticulous about this stuff. They don't just splurge to splurge. I, I really like this. I thought this had a lot of thoughtfulness behind it. Uh, this made sense for a lot of, a lot of reasons. All right. All my TJ Edwards notes here, and I might as well just light them on fire all about like, Oh, you know, it's pretty much with the, the Broncos played pay Josie jewel. 
Yeah. You know, it's only going to be a five and a half million dollar cap hit in year one. Thinks it I makes thought a it lot was, of sense. I was shocked how much I was. I thought he was going to get so much more. Local so I was like, boy, was baby. Fun. Yeah. From Lake Villa. Yeah. Convince the guy to come home, get play near his parents, yeah. get a little bit of a discount. All right, they're going to make some frugal kind of measured signings love at it, a position where it. I think you just want to piece together the position group, and then that gets lit on fire like an hour later. I know. I know. I was I I was sad when I just saw the message that he got signed in here because that not not Edwards but Edmonds uh, with that signing because that just yeah there's redundancy to there. I I was I was excited to see the TJ Edwards Jack Sanborn Badger I know you, I know you Bears were. Badger backers specifically was, for you and Adam Hogue. Yeah. <laughs> and Beller like we 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 had, we that we had it there but uh I know that's yeah Edwards is a fine player that's all I'll say that's that's all that's all I'll leave it at man I, re- I really hope that last year is like the first year of what is the sign of what is to come of, of for Tremaine Edmonds because yeah it's gonna ha- it's gonna have to be yeah it's gonna, it has it's gonna to have be. to be okay yeah that, that's how I, that's the thing I, I I crushed him earlier but it's like he's still like a like above average to good player. Like it's not like he's bad or anything. It's just that it's been up and down and last year was a good year, but it's also a contract year and usually have guys have good years in a contract year. So what are you betting on? And again, as everyone tweets out, he's only 24 years old. So that's, yeah, that's I understand that. Thing. But the guy in the comments now talking about how it's a good signing. I want you to go look at all of the signings for off ball linebackers See, for 18. I'm not logged in. So I can't see any comments. It's been so great. Just, just go take a look at this. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, signing that I think makes a lot of sense. One that we pointed out, on the show this morning when we talked about potential Kirkland brand guys that you could sign at linebacker, the Bengals signed Jermaine Pratt yep. 15 years over two over the first two years, $15 million. I think it's three years, 21 mm-hmm. to bring him back into the fold, which I think makes a lot of sense. That's the market. I, think that, I mean, it's the type of deal that we thought he would get. I, I was wondering what their strategy was going to be. They had a lot of cap space. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you, prioritize bringing back your guys to maintain that core that you had on defense? Do you want to kind of spice it up with some new bodies and some new blood on some of these places? And the first step is bringing back a guy like Pratt to kind of, again, keep your continuity together on defense. I thought he played really well last season. I thought that he had such a, he had stretches where he was playing really, really well. My question about this was, what does it mean for Von Bell? And reportedly, this means Von Bell is headed to Carolina. Which I absolutely love for the Panthers. Love that. I think that's especially whatever he likes to run and how safety dependent that is. And or as far as like how, what guys have to do, or I'm sorry, DB dependent, I should say. I like that for Von Bell with the Panthers. I really like that fit. I, I think that's a great stylistic fit. Uh, but also, I like the Pratt thing and I like the rate that they got him. That seems to be the rate. Like I mentioned before, that's six to kind of seven and a half million dollars a year for the Edwards, Pratt, Quincy Williams kind of tier of linebacker. The the solid to good vets. Um and Pratt is what now? 26, 27 years yeah. old? Yeah. He's still he's still young. He's fine. Again, he's still playing the best football of his career last yep. season. Had a great year. Same defense coordinator. Uh so I, I like that a lot. Uh Bengals. That was Bengals kind of kind of keep doing this with these vets and and finding these guys that are kind of in that upper middle tier of uh, players. And Pratt, he ascended last year. So I mean that's willing to I'd be more than willing to keep him around, especially for that price. And he's played he like doesn't miss any time. That's another thing. You're not resigning the guy to like, oh man, he got was healthy the one year. He doesn't miss a lot of time. That's also another thing that's a, a boost for this signing or, or tip of the cap for this signing. Couple other kind of smaller deals here that have been signed. Josh Oliver, formerly of the Ravens, goes to Minnesota. Three years, twenty-one million, ten million dollars guaranteed, according to Mike Garofalo of NFL Network. Just feels like a 
solid compliment to what TJ Hawkinson is. You know, Oliver is somebody that you can just keep in line. He can be a blocker, allows you to yeah. move Hawkinson around the formation. Yeah. This idea of Hawkinson kind of being really your secondary pass catching option outside of Justin Jefferson, I think signing a guy like Oliver who can do some of the dirty work frees Hawkinson up to be that. So if we're paying slot, we'll see what Jacoby Myers gets paid, right? So yeah. let's say Jacoby Myers gets $15 million a year on the free agent market, mm-hmm. whatever, right? As mm-hmm. a slot, mostly a slot option. You're paying Hawkinson a lot less than that. It didn't take yep. a lot to trade for Hawkinson. So this idea that he is your secondary pass catcher, I think you accentuate that by bringing in a guy like Josh Oliver. That's how yeah. I read it. I totally do. Uh, the Vikings, after the Hawkinson trade, were much better out 12 personnel than 11 personnel. You know, Kevin O'Connell wanted to do the Rams. You know, Irv Smith got hurt too, but they wanted this to do the This is work. a step up from Johnny Munt. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. He wanted to do the, the Rams 11 personnel every play. And then they realized, oh, this isn't really working for us. And then, okay, let's try some 12 after we get TJ in here. And TJ Hawkinson, like you said, he's a great secondary pass catcher. He's kind of an F only tight end with F being the off ball tight end, the move tight end, the slot guy. Um, You want him on the backside of runs. He can get the job done as a zone blocking tight end, but it's kind of a hard way to live for 50 plus snaps a game. So this is a guy, like you said, does the dirty work. At first, I didn't like this. And as more I've thought about, I actually really like it a lot. No more Adam Thielen there. You know, KJ Osborne's probably going to be the Z. We're going to live in 12 a little bit more. Yeah. So how do we live in 12? This is a declaration of that, in my opinion. This is what we're doing. We're going to be a 12 personnel team, and Hawkinson's going to be our matchup guy. Because Irv Smith was there last year. He was already on the roster. It's not like they sought out Irv Smith and decided to build it that way. Right. So now I think that this is a situation where they're purposefully doing this. They're saying, this is who we want to be based on our personnel, and I actually think it makes a lot of sense for them. It does. Oliver's a fantastic why. He's a true, true why tight end, inline blocking tight end, like a, a guy that can make the living that way and play 15 to 20 snaps for you. So like you said, it's signaling what they're probably their philosophy from now on. It makes a ton of sense. It also has the boost effect of freeing up pockets. And so I like this more than I initially did. And uh, I think it, it's a smart move for what the personnel is on that offense. All right. A couple of little housekeeping notes here that aren't transactions, but were pretty big bits of news today. Adam Schefter reported that Austin Eckler has requested permission to seek a trade mm-hmm. after talks about a new deal stalled with the Chargers. I mean, it's it's a it's a tough market to get a raise in right now, especially how many running backs are out there, Austin. It's uh, you're a dynamic player. See what man. happens. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, he is such a central part of who they've yes. been offensively I that I feel Austin, like I he is more valuable to the Chargers than he would be to a lot of other teams. It's a good call. So uh, I, I, that's that's just something to keep in mind. But obviously, just a sexy bit of news for a guy who is really good player and has been a really good yeah. player. I mean, it's talk about. On a fantasy level, on a real-life level, yeah. it's been a very relevant piece over the last couple of years. Chargers, according to Jeremy Fowler, are expected to chase John Johnson the third after he is released by the Browns. Makes a ton of sense. Come on back. <laughs> well, this is... So, th- again, this reminds me of the John o. Smith trade, okay? Yeah. So, coming out of that year with Brandon Staley in Los Angeles, John Johnson gets paid by the Browns. Paid. Okay? Takes a little bit of a dip. You know, was not the same player in Cleveland that he was with Staley when he was in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Is going to get released. Is going to be available for. I think he got like fifteen a year or like thirteen a year on his last deal. Okay. Okay. From the Browns, I want to. I want to get this right. What, what the actual contract was, but he goes to the goes to the Browns after having that that fantastic. So it was about eleven million dollars a year. Okay? okay. When when he went to the Browns with twenty four million dollars guaranteed, eleven million a year. You think he gets half that? 
Yeah, that's probably exactly right. I was going to say five or six. Six, six probably sounds right. Okay, he's twenty-seven. Yep. Is is John Johnson that different of a player when than when he signed with the Browns two years ago? No, not really. Probably, probably not. <laughs> probably not. No. And he's going now to a guy who he has played his best football under. Yes. And I think that his flexibility allows you to do a bunch of different things with Derwin James. We'll see what the price is if it ends mm-hmm. up happening. But I think. On a theoretical level, it yep. makes a lot of sense to me based on where this team is. I he will was, say though, the amount, he was, that, well, them just keep them spending all this money on defense again. Again, it's I, not surprising. They no. do have a hole with that other safety spot. I, I think it it would be a net positive for them to bring him in and hopefully try to tap into the guy he was back in LA. But again, this team, they don't have a right tackle. I mean, there's so many other things it feels ends, like they need, but like, yeah. well, well right. when you can free up $45 million in cap space by pushing everything into next year, it gives you some flexibility Why to not? work with. Well, it's a one year. Everybody's on a one year deal with that team. It seems like uh personnel members too. I, I, I think this makes sense because Staley, well, one, uh, we sound second half of the year, how creative Staley is like, you got kind of a rock and a hard place with his personality. He's like, all right, I got to make this work. Johnson is allows for more creativity. He's a sound player. And I think that's what really helps. James, Derwin James is your your Swiss Army knife. We move him around, but you need that kind of sound safety, kind of shore everything up and make sure make sure everything's kind of like equal and even. And I think that's where in the Browns they try to everything wasn't too high, too high, too high, too high, without letting him kind of open up his uh, uh, mental side. You know, kind of show off that side. He kind of was really static. It felt like in Cleveland. So maybe Staley's kind of creativity, the kind of mixed coverages that the, he kind of leaned into last year. I mean, like you said, he got his best year with him last time, so he understands the personnel. So, yeah, go back to the bosom of Staley. It makes a lot of sense for both parties. I really do think that. I want to I want to address one of the other comments in the chat right now. Brandon Davis said, you're all underestimating the impact that Matt Eberflus has on weak side linebackers. Edmonds has every trait a coach could want. It's Flus's job to make him elite. If you have a coach that can coach up players at that position, the, the idea should be that yeah. you don't spend market-setting money on players at that yeah. position. Yeah, it's those it's, it's, things are sign a bunch of mid tier players to make him upper mid tier that not elite players and try to make him elite or like or, or good to try and make him elite. That's not what you do. My my thinking here and just this is the last thing I'll say about the Tremaine Edmonds thing. My thought here is that this is a, a, a signing and a move that reminds me of the Ogunjobi move from last year where you have a defensive minded head coach who says I, this is a huge part of who I want to be. Yeah. So I, I need a guy like this at this spot. Okay, that's not always a good thing. No. H- having that sort of say in, in how you're going to spend those high end resources by saying, "I need to get my guy here." And what could we be? Shaq Leonard was very, very good for Matt Eberflus in Indianapolis, right? Mm-hmm. He was a very, very good player. There is some projection involved if you think that he's going to be that type of guy, right? And, and right. That, that's that's all. Okay, yeah, that's it. And also, it's you're you're paying for a guy that should already be like. That money signals, oh, this is the guy is the best of the best already. Yes. And that's that's where Yeah. And that's what we're kind of saying too, is that even if he improves, he might not live up to the contract. That's that's the scary part of all of this. And yeah, Iberfus is gonna coach the shit out of him. And Edmonds, like I said, is a good player, above average to good player. It's just that again, you're trying to thread needles here to get somewhat some way to like live up to that contract and live up to that deal. So yeah, I I'm with you. It, it was, this is a totally different discussion, but this was like when the Cowboys drafted Zeke with their offensive line. And the fact that it was like, yo, we're going to pop in an elite running back. It's like, you don't have to, you're missing the point, Jerry, you have the offensive line. You can pop in whoever you want at running back. That's the point of this same kind of thinking here. If you have a guy that can coach that up, all right, 
pop in some more mid-tier guys or like a TJ Edwards or coach up a Jack Sanborn, an undrafted free agent. That way you're not allocating resources, but you're still getting the most out of them. So yeah, I'm with it's you. It's fine. It's not like DeMarco Murray rushed for 1,800 yards two years before. It's exactly. Like behind that offensive line. It's not, it's right. not a big deal. Okay? That's, that's the exact same line of thinking. Some stuff rolling in here. According to Ian Rapport, Jesse Bates going to the Falcons. Four years, $64 million per Tom Pelissero, $23 million in year one. Okay. Top of market money for Jesse Bates. It's the exact I think we talked sixteen million is, is the number that we yeah, were throwing out there, out there. Yep. for what he would potentially get. That's what he gets. The Falcons have a lot of money to spend. They, they had do. a big hole there. I, I understand it. But again, you're paying for top of the market production for a guy who has been solid and reliable. Yep. Okay. And that's fine. It's solid and reliable is really important at that position specifically. But are you are you wanting to pay needle mover, game changing player money for very, I mean, it's just solid for very good and reliable. And yeah. that is what the Falcons are doing. If that's the calculation that you want to make, sounds good. Mm-hmm. I, I understand it if you're in a position like Atlanta is with how much money they have to spend and how few guys there are to spend it on. But I think that's the type of player that Jesse Bates is. Yep. He's, he, like you said, very smart, very sound, uh, athletically limited at times. Sometimes he can't take advantage of his intelligence. But it's, I, I think it's it's a good player. You can still say you like the player and not like the contract. Like, you know, the both yeah. things can be true. And that's how it is. They, I always felt like Bates was going to be overpaid. It just seems like that's just- It was inevitable. Always, it was always going to be like that. We when talked you're working about off it. the tag, yes. it puts you in a really good position yeah. as a player. Because, yep. I mean, you've, you, you set the your market higher. with the tag. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So yeah. it, when you get tagged, this something like this is going to happen. The- Giant or the Bengals, by the way, have planned for this eventuality. They drafted yeah. Dax Hill in the first round of last yep. year's draft. Like they knew that this was coming. Losing Von Bell, I think, makes it a little yes. bit tougher because there was going to be that stabilizing force of having both of those having Bell still right. there when you slide Dax Hill in as the new piece. Yes. But yep. we'll see what happens on the back end of the Bengals defense. I, I yeah. have a lot of faith in what Luan Rumo has done there, but tough to right. lose both of those guys on the same day, even with Dax Hill waiting in the wings. And, and the Falcons, what they have trotted out on defense the last half decade, uh, I'm sure paying a premium um, for competency and actual good play. His play is baseline is good is that they're fine with it. They're like, we, 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 we just, we're, we're trotting out undrafted free agents and random guys, all these positions. It's kind of nice sometimes to have comp- a reliable, constant play. You know what you rely on. He's on the grading scale. That's two to eight, you know, baseball and the football grading scale. He's a six and that's fine. But that's that's the overpay there. They're paying a premium for competency, which that's what happens in free agency. But I actually like the DB room there. I like uh, they bring back Oliver, but you know AJ Terrell, Jesse Bates, like uh, DB rooms come together. They're piecing piecing this defense together a little bit. One more Alex Anzalone back to the Lions. Three years, about eighteen point seven five million dollars. Let me see if I can find oh boy. who actually said that who is actually reporting that we're doing this in real time it was ian rapaport three years 18.75 for alex anzalone and the lions i don't like that (laughs) it was uh yeah it Uh, seemed like this this market was their chance to potentially upgrade at that spot because all the guys would be available but a lot of those seats have been filled man Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean pratt's gone edwards is gone great for them God, I, I I thought that they might try to upgrade at that spot, and that is I not agree. what they decided. That that and did not end up going in that way. Because I sneakily thought they would go after Edwards, like just privately. That just seemed like a move they would make. But yeah, that's I mean, 
it's just it's hard for me to not imagine what that Carolina game looks like with uh with uh the Carolina Lions game. Yes. Oh my God. Or I had another one that they played. Uh, might have been Falcon. It wasn't Falcon. Well, Falcons in the preseason. They they had a game too late in the season where he's just running out of nowhere. Oh, it was the Bills. Uh, Thanksgiving game. I think. I think that's what it was. I, I might be misconstruing the games. That there was a couple of rough moments. Him dealing with motion where he's just running out of the box, and it's like, what are you doing? The run's coming right at you. Uh, yeah, that one. That one feels weird. I thought he'd be able to. They would let him go, but maybe they're scared of not having anybody to fill those seats, like you just said. In uh, here, here, Daniel Jeremiah talk about it a little bit today. Just that there, it isn't a great off-ball linebacker draft. You know, three or four guys potentially in couple, the top yeah. fifty, but there aren't that many. It's just like, oh yeah, that's definitely somebody we can plug and play. That's what it is. And there's the familiarity bonus, I think always happen, ha- happens too, where they, they understand what he is. Few more bits of veteran news here as we wrap up. Jeremy Fowler reports the Bucks could be open to exploring a trade for Shaq Mason. He's a $7.5 million base salary this year. They'd save about $5 million on the cap if they moved on, about $4 million in dead cap. Tom Pelissero of NFL Network following up, he says the plan is to release him if they cannot trade him. So... Seven and a half million dollar base salary for Shaq Mason. If you want to give up a late round pick, seems like it's worth it. If you need help at guard, bear down Chicago Bears. They, <laughs> that's an eight Davis. That's an eight Davis spot. Unfortunately, I know, I mean, right? All right, that seat has already been filled. But I think somebody uh, would be smart to explore it. As if you missed out on Nate Davis and you wanted starting caliber guard yeah. play, I think that's exactly what this is. As the Bucks try to shed a little bit more salary, Shaq Mason's good, man. He's a competent pro and he's smart. I mean, I, any team would be lucky to have him. If I if I have a hole at guard, I'd be I'd be calling Tampa Bay right now. <laughs> and I think that contract's very very fair for him, as we just talked about. You know. The Connor McGoverns of the world getting that kind of exact same cap hit, it seems like. So, I don't know. I think that's not, not a bad move if whoever wants to call him. couple others here. Ravens release Clayus Campbell. See if they bring him back on a smaller deal. Um, I think that might be possible with where he's at in his career. I think he was at like a $9 million cap hit this year. I assume that has not been processed yet. So, let's see what the dead money deal situation is with the Ravens as I stall here and talk very, very slow I love it. about where Baltimore is. Oh, that's already been processed. Never mind. Okay. I think they, <laughs> I think it was at like 9 million and they, they could save most of it. So it kind of feels like that's where it's at. And it was only a $2.4 million dead cap hit. So we'll see if he comes back on a slightly reduced deal. It feels like that might be in the best interest of both parties. Speaking of being in the best interest of both parties and some late career reunions, Jason Kelsey back <laughs> yeah. with the Philadelphia Eagles. It is just good for everybody, man. Yeah. Just good for everybody. Jason Kelsey tweeted out today, I put much thought into whether it makes sense to play another season. After talking it over with my wife and many other friends and family, I've decided to return for another year. Thank you to all my supporters and detractors for fueling me. I ain't fucking done yet. I love him. The world is better. The football world is better with Jason Kelsey in it. And guess what? It gives the Eagles, I think, a real shot to kind of maintain who they were offensively, even without Shane Steichen. I mean, you've we have all those guys coming back. You can slide Cam Jurgens in for Salomalo if he moves on. So you have an offensive line where you get five reliable starters, hopefully, with Jurgens kind of keeping the seat warm until Kelsey comes back in. You have your pass catching options coming back. So having him as the linchpin of that offense, I think, is helpful. Especially with what a remodeling the defense is going to have to go through and, and figuring out the holes there. So uh, having Jason Kelsey, who I, 
I seriously tabbed as my, I uh, did all pro and all that. He was my alignment of the year. Like I just, I thought it was his best year. Like uh, it really was. And that's remarkable at how in his mid thirties to put on a year like that. Um, so I'm happy that he's back. He, of course, a great personality. seems like a great dude and hopefully he keeps him off the podcasting trail a little bit. So <laughs> we can have some more wiggle room in that, in that regard, but I mean, no, they're I'm already happy about much, it. much better than us. Oh my God. They're ridiculously so good. Whenever, it's, whenever it's he annoying. wants to get back, whenever he actually wants to take it over. I mean, that's, we, we can kind of be <laughs> a little bit more relevant until that moment. So, all right. Exactly. Uh, right now, Day that's one. all we have. So no Rogers far. news. Okay. I know we stalled. No Rogers no. news. We've okay. been stalling a little bit, but it feels like those are the biggest moves that we've had. Uh, we can't just sit here all day. So we are going to be back tomorrow mm-hmm. at the same time, the same place. Hopefully, nothing crazy happens between now and then. If it does, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see if anything moves the needle enough to get us back on here. Yeah. For now, though, that is all we have. Really appreciate you guys coming to hang out with us. If you have not, please subscribe to The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash football show is where you can do that. Plenty of great stuff about the free agent class that you can catch up on there. Also, please, if you would, go rate and review the podcast on your podcast platform of choice. If you listen on Apple Podcasts and you want to leave a review about why you like the show, I would greatly appreciate that. We will be back tomorrow and the rest of the week at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. These will be available as podcasts. If you're listening to it, you already know that. For now, that's all we got. We'll talk to you guys soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.